Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, I pray you open eyes today that you meet needs. Father, no weapon formed against your people shall prosper. May illumination come and may the power of the Holy Spirit be revealed as we dig into what Jesus himself tells us about this subject. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we all say amen. Throughout the Bible and in scriptures, there are many metaphors, many comparisons, descriptions, and symbols that are used for the Holy Spirit. Uh, we find that uh, the Bible likens the Holy Spirit to a dove. Uh, probably one of the most frequent used metaphors is, or symbols is oil, uh, wind, water, breath, fire, clothing, etc. All of these things are used to give us insights into the person of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, typically what God does through these symbols, metaphors, comparisons, whatever we want to call them, is he uses something known to explain something that we need to know about the Holy Spirit. So he uses the familiar to explain what might be the unfamiliar. So tonight we're going to dig into not all of these metaphors, not all of these symbols, not all of these types. We are just going to focus on one metaphor for the Holy Spirit, and that is a river. So open your Bibles to John chapter 7 and verse 37, and uh, we're going to dig in to the, the word together here. On the last day, that great day of the feast. Now, when you read the Old Testament, you'll see that the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, uh, Moses said, was to last for seven days. But by the time of the New Testament, actually in other books of the Bible, we see that actually it lasted for eight days. And the reality is this was the uh, eighth day and Jesus was an observant Jew. And he participated in all the high holy days. We see him traveling to Jerusalem uh, numerous times throughout his ministry. And what was amazing is as people participated in all these feasts, he stood there knowing that he was a fulfillment of every single one of them. But the Bible says on this particular day, on the last day, which the Bible says is called the great day. Why was it called the great day? Because it ended all the festivals for the calendar Year. So this was the final uh, spiritual uh, event. So on the last day, that great day of the feast. Now, for the first seven days of the feast, what would happen is the priests would uh, uh, get water from the pool of, of Siloam and they would put it in a golden pitcher and they would bring that golden pitcher to the temple and they would pour out the water on the altar. Now, this water represented how God had miraculously provided Israel with water for 40 years uh, in the wilderness. So this was about God's miraculous provision. But on the eighth day, uh, there, there's a little debate over this, but uh, most scholars conclude that there was no water poured. And uh, uh, during this time, though, great Hallel songs uh, were, were sung by the people uh, as they were leaving or, or left the temple. And also on this day, they would shake willow uh, leaves on the altar and they'd beat palm branches uh, into pieces. And the Bible says it's at this moment 
that Jesus lifted up his voice. So the, the reason John goes into detail, because uh, the details uh, uh, matter. And in the midst of this moment where there's probably no water, uh, they had water for, for, again, seven days. The Bible says Jesus stood, and he's right in front of the temple. And by the way, what Jesus was about to say was so important that John takes time here to lay a foundation for what he said, where he said it, and how he's about to say it. So watch this. Jesus stood, and he what? Cried out. This was not said in Jesus' normal speaking tone. Uh, Jesus taught often, and uh, he would, I'm sure he would, you know, project his voice, but uh, this was a little bit different. The Bible said Jesus stood, and he what? Cried out. And for days, people had participated in the festival, and Jesus had, had watched, but they didn't realize the fulfillment was standing right in front of their face, right in front of them. You know, what was true then is, is still equally true today. The greatest treasures and the greatest answers are often hidden in plain sight. 90% of the time, at least in my life, now your life may be a little bit different, but I doubt it. 90% of the time, the answer to my prayer is typically right in front of me, but I just don't realize it. And what we have to do is pray, Lord, open my eyes. Father, cause me to see. Uh, there are people with major financial needs and, and they had some flour in their cupboard and uh, they, they had maybe some sugar left. They didn't have a whole lot, but what they had right in front of them was enough for them to start a cookie business to get them out of debt. And often, you know, the things we need are right in front of us. We just need God to help us see and uh, uh, show us what we're to do with those things that God's already put uh, in, in our, our lives. And he cried out saying, so again, Jesus is extremely passionate. He's crying out. Uh, incredible passion is coming from his heart. Uh, this is not a teaching as much as a preaching and uh, actually a yelling. Uh, Jesus is raising his voice in the most profound possible way. And he says, if anyone thirsts, and that anyone's important, regardless of race, uh, regardless of class, regardless of intelligence level, regardless of political party. And, and though I hope that all of us have been taught well enough that we don't just vote party, we vote principles. I know what mom and dad used to do, but as believers, we vote the principles. So keep this in mind. We will answer to God for our votes. So if you really love him, if you really love him, if you really love him, make sure you vote for people whose agenda uh, lines up uh, with the kingdom. Make sure that their priorities are, are designed to advance the kingdom of God and, and prioritizes also the kingdom of God. And uh, a lot of times we just look at, you know, political uh, figures and we say, well, based on this, based on that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to uh, vote. But here's the deal. We're going to give an answer for everything we do in this body. Uh, my chief aim is to uh, expand the kingdom. Uh, seek first the kingdom and all these other things shall be added. So my lens when I vote is who is going to protect the church? Who is going to allow uh, the word of God to continue to go forward in our nation so men and women can be born again and come into the kingdom? That's one of my top priorities when I look at someone uh, and decide whether or not I'm going to vote for them. And he cried out saying, if anyone 
thirst. Now, as God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness, God wants to provide for, for you and I in our personal wildernesses, in our dry places, if you will. And Jesus is about to teach us, you know, uh, where to get water when we have a weary and a thirsty soul. He says, if anyone, if what? Anyone. Are you in anyone? I know I'm in anyone. This means everyone. Uh, if anyone, anyone who sees a promised land ahead of them, like the Israelites, they came out of Egyptian captivity and they were going toward the promised land. And you have a promise in front of you. God has told you that he wants to take you somewhere. But on the journey, you feel dried up. You feel shriveled up. You, you feel like you might die on the way. That's how the Israelites felt. And that's why God caused water to come out of, uh, of rocks at various times. Why? Because he wanted to provide for his people. And this is what this feast is about. And Jesus is speaking in this feast. He made it very clear. He's speaking in this feast. And, and that context matters. He said, if anyone, if anyone is running out of gas, all your inner strength, you know, your resource, feel like you're drying up. If anyone, let him. There's nothing but space between you and the Lord. If you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, God will not let anyone stop you from receiving what he's about to promise. Let him come to me and drink. The only thing required for us to get to what's next is to come to Jesus. And here's the question. Has anybody been to the well? Has, 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 have you gone to that place where the peace never runs dry, the love never runs dry, the joy never runs dry? How many of us have been to the well? Well, thank God most of us and many of us have been to this well, but it's important. I'm glad you got to the well, but the well is designed to keep you until you get to this river. And we're going to dig into this river here. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, the analogy of the well is important, but watch this. The next verse explains how we drink from him. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and what? Drink. Then verse 38, you think he changed the subject. He's just explaining how we drink. I don't know if you got it. I can't see heads nod. So I'm, I'm going to explain it one more time. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and what? Drink. In the next verse, he explains how we drink from him. So if you want to receive from the Lord, he's about to tell you how to do it. In the natural, you have to grab a cup or maybe you use your hands and, uh, to drink. But he's saying in the spiritual realm, the way you, you drink is about to be described in the next verse. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and what? Drink. And then he says, verse 38, not changing the subject. He who believes in me, the only cup we can use to drink from God's well is called faith. And faith in God changes everything, even our dry places, our wilderness places. Worry ends when faith begins. He said, he who believes in me, does anyone believe in Jesus? I know I do. Then this next part is especially for you. He who believes in me, he who's willing, again, your faith is your cup. And be it unto you according to your faith. So the, the measure of your faith will determine how much you receive. He who believes in me, and thank God, though, God has given us the measure of faith. So all of us, it's not really about getting more faith. It's about using the faith we all already have. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his what? Heart. God wants to put a new power source in your heart, in my heart, in everyone's heart that's viewing and listening today. 
This water is not to be found in a rock, under a rock, in a cactus, or at the base of a cliff where you might find it in a desert. This is not where you find the water he is talking about. He says, out of his heart, watch this, will flow rivers of living water. What he's saying is if you believe in Jesus, he wants to turn your heart into a river. Some of the greatest rivers on the planet, actually, start from a small spring. And we must uh, uh, begin to progress in our faith. And thank God you've come to Jesus. Please notice there's two distinct things being discussed. He said, come to me and I will give you. So come to Jesus, get your sins forgiven, uh, get washed, become a new creation in Christ. But then he says, after you come to me, here's what's going to happen. He said, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And what he's saying is an internal available gush that the world hasn't given and the world cannot take away. He wants to put in each of our hearts. So no matter how hot the sun gets, how dry the place is, there's water and provision on the inside of us that can keep us in whatever situation we may find ourselves. He says, out of his what? Heart. We don't have to go to geographical places anymore to receive from God. Uh, we don't have to go to Mecca, if you will. Uh, we don't have to go to Jerusalem, if you will. I'd like to go to Jerusalem, never been to Jerusalem, and I, I'm sure it would be a great experience, but I don't have to go there to receive from God. Why? Because out of his heart will flow what? Rivers of living Water, living water here is speaking of water that's not salty, it's not brackish, this is not the Dead Sea, this, this is not water that, that cannot sustain life. This, he's talking about water that is fresh, water that is abundant. He's talking about a river that's flowing and unending. I want to take a, just a quick moment to look at three things rivers do, just in general. They did it back then and, and they do it now, and he uses uh, this, this analogy of a river to explain something of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, uh, just take a look at a river, okay? So let's look at some real basic things that, that rivers do. Number one, rivers were sources of fresh water. So, you know, humans were, were two-thirds uh, uh, water, you know, 60% water. Uh, and without water, what happens? We die. And, and nothing is softer. Nothing is more flexible than water, but nothing can resist it. And God wants to give us an indestructible inner life, an inexhaustible inner life. He wants to give you a, a life that no matter what happens again on the outside, because you have it on the inside, that, you know, it can flow and impact your outside. You follow what, what Jesus is saying? It's like you don't have to look for the river. You can actually become the river if you let God do this, the type of work he wants to do in your life. So number one, rivers uh, are sources of fresh water. Number two, rivers are filled with life. Uh, rivers provide fish for, for, for eating, uh, waterways for travel, which is really, really important, and a place for meeting. Human life actually began on rivers. 
Now, when I was in school, they, they taught us that uh, life began in Mesopotamia, civilization began in Mesopotamia along the Euphrates. But when we look at the Bible, we actually see, I, I think one of those rivers mentioned there is probably the Euphrates. And there were four rivers, uh, rivers that came together into the Garden of Eden. So we s- still see the same thing, that life and culture and community and human life and living really began along rivers. You know, rivers are roads that move and carry us wherever we wish to go. Number three, as rivers, you know, as rivers make their way to the sea, they shape the features uh, of the earth that's around the river, and they distribute the salts and necessary nutrients to the land. So, you know, rivers are very, 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 very important. Matter of fact, to add, but, you know, we, I'll, I'll spend too much time in, in, in talking about uh, rivers and not getting back to the scriptures, but if we didn't have rivers, which are depressions in the earth, the land would actually overflow with the rain. But what happens is, um, because of rivers, when rain comes, the rivers swell, and we don't flood on dry land because of rivers. So rivers are very, 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 very necessary. I want to read a quote here. A river cuts through the rock and distributes its best, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. So what he's saying is out of us will come a river with, with tremendous power, with tremendous persistence that's even able to cut through rocky and hard places if we let Jesus do what he wants to do in our lives. He said, out of his heart will flow what? Rivers that are full of freshness, that are full of life, that that are able to change everything in its path. Out of his what? Heart. Out of his what? Heart. Out of his government. Out of his, his, his church. Now, good things are in the church. Sometimes good things are in government. But where does the, the, the source of the real change, the source of real life come from? Out of his what heart? You say, well, if I had a, a better marriage, I'd be happy out of his heart. The issue is not necessarily your marriage. The issue is your heart. Um, if, if you're happy on the inside, you could be happy no matter the situation. I could tell you about my week. Uh, my week was pretty intense. We were closing uh, on, on a property. I have a board meeting on Friday. I have messages to prepare. I have contractors lying to me. I have all, I mean, I can go on and on and on. And, and my schedule is just uh, insane phone calls. I can't even answer at this moment, but you know, in the midst of it, I'm okay. Why? Because out of his heart shall flow. There's something on the inside of me that gives me strength, and it's more than a thing, and we're going to discover what that, that uh, person is in a moment. Out of his heart, not just my heart, though, but your heart, will flow rivers of living water. But verse 39, watch well, this. He mentions the river, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit. So, all Jesus said it, it was pointing towards something. He was using something we know to explain something we might not know. He said, but he spoke of the river, and that whole analogy, that whole metaphor, that whole comparison was to give us some insight into what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. But as we saw, the first step to receiving the fullness of the Spirit is to come to Jesus. But after we come to the cross... God wants us to step into his flow. Thank God we've come to the well and we've tapped into Jesus who, who, who is the, the well. But there's also a flow. 
there, there is also a, a, a spirit. And, and many of us, you know, we were sitting on the side of, 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 of the river with our swimming trunks on, our bathing suits on, kind of sticking our toes in the water. Every now and then we reach down and splash up a little bit. But God is saying he wants us to get in and launch into the deep. He doesn't just want us on the banks anymore. He's like, step into this river. This is where the action is. This is where the life is. But this river he just used to symbolize the Holy Spirit. He spoke concerning the Spirit. Again, he used the concept. I know I'm repeating myself, but he used the concept. Everyone understood. Everyone knew to explain the Holy Spirit who everyone needed to know better. So if your relationship with God is only ankle deep, I mean, you're only, you know, somewhat engaged, um, you know, you're not where God wants you yet. Um, God wants us to, to launch out, as the Bible says, into the deep. One guy told this story, and I, I want to read it. He said, I asked God, why are you taking me through deep waters? He replied, because your enemies can't swim. And the reality is when you step into the life of the spirit, you get to a place the devil can't touch you. The devil uh, cannot reach into the Holy Spirit and impact you. And he might impact your body. He, he might try to impact your circumstances, but he will never touch that sealed spirit on the inside of you. That's very, 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 very important. So if you want to be safe, flow with the spirit, go with the spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit. Psalms 46 and 4 the psalmist says this, he says, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. Now, shall lets us know that he, he sees this in the future. And also we know he must see it in the future because Jerusalem has no river. It might have, you know, it has a few little tiny streams, but it has no, 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 no river. And by the way, Jerusalem is the city of God. But the, the singer here was awaiting uh, that great day, actually, Ezekiel talks about it a little bit, when a mighty river would flow from the temple itself. But when we look at our Bibles in the New Testament, we discover that actually we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.